Welcome, badasses, to this episode of the Badass Ladies Club. We are so excited that you're here with us today. And uh, do us a favor, get on your platform of choice, subscribe, download some episodes, write us a review, give us some stars, uh, send it to your friends and get us out there so people know what's going on at Badass Ladies Club. I am uh, Laurie. This is my friend Jessica. And today we're talking about uh, extreme independence as a trauma response. Ugh. Here we go. Here um, we go. <laughs> before we get into that subject, though, Jessica's going to talk about our badass of the week. Yes. Okay. So we got this idea for this episode from an Instagram account called Rising Woman, who we have been following for a while, honestly, but yeah. I didn't know who was behind Rising Woman until we looked into it a little bit more. So I'm going to probably butcher this woman's <laughs> name. I'm so sorry. Um, I think it is Shalina Ayana. I mean, that's how I say it in my head. That's how I say it in my head. Yeah. Because that's what it looks like. She <laughs> is a spiritual writer. She does Rising Woman. So she has those two accounts, Rising Woman and then her personal and her one. Personal, yeah. Um, and guys, her content is so good yeah. and just has this way of delivering really, um, soul shaking messages that don't tear you down, but they really just hit you in the heart. Um, so when we saw this, um, I think the way she put it was ultra independence is a trauma response. And there was this whole caption with it. We were both like, ouch. Okay. So let's talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Cause I had never heard it said that way before. Yeah, um, but as soon as I read the words in that order, I immediately felt so seen. You yes, know, like, I was like, Whoa, somebody really gets me. And yeah. I did not even get me at that level till I read it. So oh, yeah. yeah. Rising woman is a really great account. And I, um, am constantly, getting words put to ideas that have been floating around in my head when I read her stuff. She's amazing. Yes. So yes, rising woman. We're excited about what she's doing and uh, badass of the week. Shout out to you, my friend. Yes, ma'am. So ultra independence is a trauma response. And I mean, we're obviously going to dive into the whole episode today, but I've first like really focused on this idea of what ultra or extreme independence actually means. Yeah. Well, because I think that there's totally a balance there that especially as a woman, some semblance of independence is super important. Lots of semblance of independence is important to me. But at what point is it toxic or detrimental to your growth as a human being? Right. Let's get into that. <laughs> It's so funny though, because I obviously see now that that ultra independence is harmful in some ways. Yes. I don't know that I ever would have identified it as a trauma response until now. Um, right. When we looked into it and researched it, it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is what my damage is. <laughs> right. I get it. So one quote that I had read about it, because there were a number of articles about, mm -hmm. you know, like if you get on and you're just like reading about extreme independence, um, the inability to trust is one of the cornerstones of this kind of trauma mm -hmm. that you become fiercely independent. And that's your response because you don't feel safe anymore. And that might be safe 
with the people around you that might be safe with different circumstances. But the fact that um, I'm so ultra independent, I think in the beginning was because I had been disappointed, mm-hmm. you know, and rather than be disappointed, I was like, oh, get this. I'll just do it myself. Yeah. And <laughs> then I won't be disappointed with people anymore because I'll right. just handle that. Right. And it's way easier to um, handle yourself. Like if something fails or if you fail, right. It's a lot easier to be like, okay, well I can look at myself and be like, okay, I did that. That sucks. Um, but it, I, ugh, yeah, I'm totally one of those. If you want something done right, do it yourself, do it yourself. you know, don't go to other people for that. Um, but I'm not just talking about like organizing your closet. I'm talking <laughs> about really deep stuff that I think that that also applies to. Well, and how than- it translates to everything. Yes. So, you know, I feel like ultra independence for me in the beginning was like, about my living circumstances and my mm-hmm. household, you know, like that I had had roommates in the past and maybe it was their responsibility to pay the water bill and my responsibility to pay the electric bill. But then they forgot to pay the water bill a few months. And I was like, you know what? How about I just pay all the bills now? You know, like it's mm-hmm. too stressful for me to not be sure if you're going to do that or not. I'm better at that than you are. You know, like I like knowing that all those details are handled. I'm just going to do it myself. So that's like a surface level or even in a work example, you know, like that I want to work on things with people as a team, Mm -hmm. but maybe there are things that are like too important to hand off because if it doesn't get done right, well, then I'm stressed about that, you know? And so I'll just take it on and do it myself. And that that ultra independent streak in me, like sort of keeps me from allowing people in to support anything that I'm trying to pull off because I'm so concerned that they're going to do it or well yeah like I won't and I I still stand by this because I can't let it go I won't let any of the girls at work tone any of my guests I know (laughs) I know because I schedule you all the time (laughs) I know but like it's just something that could go wrong yes and we all see color differently so I may explain this is my outcome that I'm looking for but to someone who isn't as um doesn't have as many years into this, they may see that color completely differently. And so I just don't trust it. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to tone all of my guests and I don't care if that makes me run around this place like a chicken with my head cut off and it gets me running 30 minutes behind. And it, you know, like, I don't care. No one else is going to do that for me. I can't allow it. it. So I'm already, I'm sorry. But that's how it is. It's really hard to let go of. It really is. And it also is about like, what are the stakes involved? So, you know, when I trace this back to um, where did you not feel safe? Where did things, you know, like, so I know that this has nothing to do with a romance not paying a water bill. Right. You know, like that this is likely something. And it really has nothing to do with the outcome of a toner on a guest. No, it really doesn't. It is freakish control, you know, like that I have to have control of these things. Um, And so the trauma response part of it, you know, like I always hear people say all the time, like you can't control other people, but you can, or circumstances or life, but you can control yourself. Mm -hmm. And so learning how to control myself was like freedom when it came to the outcome. Cause like you said, if you screw it up, then I think it's also part of where like the harsh inner critic comes from for me too, you know? Um, even in the example of like 
people screwing things up with a relationship or at work that oftentimes the first thing I say is I should have done a better job showing them how to fill in the blank, you know, like even it, it always comes back to the idea that I didn't do enough to make sure that that situation went more smoothly, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes things just don't work out the way you expected them to, you know, like it's all part of that. Um, so childhood trauma, you know, like, we've established before is not always like a real intentional thing on a family's part, you know, oh, like God, people no. pick up childhood trauma from all kinds of places. From loving, amazing families. Always. You can still have the best parents in the world and still have trauma from certain situations, yes. you know? So a lot of this does seem to stem from like something that happened when you were younger or something that mm -hmm. you observed. I know for me, like things that I had seen where I was like, nope, that won't be me. Yeah. And if that won't be me, then I'm going to make sure that I do all of these things to make sure that that's not me in the future. Um, so, you know, taking on adult responsibilities at a young age is one of the things that I read is really part of this like extreme ultra independence. Having uh, narcissistic people in your life where the focus is always on them and you feel like you're in competition with that narcissism mm -hmm. is a indicator of trauma response. Um, and then definitely like advanced bullying and feeling like when you're in that sensitive stage that you don't belong, that you can't rely on friends. You can't rely on people. You just decide to rely on yourself. Well, yeah. I mean, and self-admittedly, that's, I think where mine stemmed from. I think that there's obviously been other situations in my life that have played into the ultra independence, um, part of me, but if I could like trace it back to the beginning, I definitely think that it's bullying because I looked different as we, yeah. you know, discussed a few episodes ago that my, um, my Port Weinstein was a huge stem of me standing out in a negative way. And so I didn't want to get close to anybody because people were mean. Yeah. And then when I was able to wear makeup, what we didn't discuss on that episode was when I was able to wear makeup, you know, starting in high school. And then as you're dating that, well, especially during dating that that first time I would allow a guy to see me without makeup, what like I, mm, that was something that took an immense amount of trust, which was really hard for me. Yeah. Which is what this trauma response is all about is I don't trust you. So I'm going to put that boundary up there, you know, like that I it's mean, hard. Laurie, like I would sleep in my makeup <laughs> at a guy's house. I'm not even kidding. Like I, I slept in makeup after I would get out of the shower, I would put on makeup. I would do everything in my power to not have a man see me in my true form. What I know you couldn't know the answer to this. Which movie was it where the girl like before she has her one night or after the one night stand, she like wakes up in the morning and she like does her makeup and her hair and everything so she can <laughs> lay down on the pillow and be like perfectly fresh. And Oh my gosh, I don't know. Is it Bridesmaids? <sighs> I don't know, but it's so mm, funny no. because I have absolutely been yes, in that situation. Yes, oh my God, wait, was that it's Kristen Wiig? at the very Wig beginning, yes, it's Kristen Wiig at John the very Hamm, beginning in the movie. And she yeah. like fluffs her hair. She has to touch herself up, you know, so when he wakes up, she's like the vision yes. of gorgeous female beauty, yes. you know? I have done that before. Um, Girl, story of my life. But it's so interesting. Like oh. <laughs> we've all been there. Okay. Yes. So 
sometimes they also talk about like the grief of a failed relationship or the grief mm-hmm. of a failed love affair, the grief of losing um, a parent or somebody that's really, you know, like pivotal in your life gives you this feeling of, okay, I'm got to do it alone now. And yeah, well, and I don't want to invest any of my time or energy getting close or loving someone else because losing someone is too painful. So I'd rather go rogue and be alone so that I don't experience this heartbreak again. So let's talk about the parts of the ultra independence that are damaging to your life, you know, like, because I know that for me, and this may just be part of like the age range I was in as I was growing up that in the mid eighties to like, I'm going to say the mid to even late nineties was this huge surge of a uh, divorce. Mm-hmm. It's like this giant divorce generation. And my parents are divorced, but even before my parents were divorced and during and after that, there was so many women or primarily what I saw get out of their marriages and be whatever age they were when that happened. They had never owned their own vehicle without a man co-signing for them. They had never had their own place to live. They had never paid a rent payment or a utility bill. They didn't know how to get a phone turned on. Like the concept of them operating their own personal finances and life like that was foreign to them because they had gone from living in their family's home to being married and now living in their spouse's home. And then when that didn't work out, you know, some of them were in their thirties or forties, or you even see women, you know, like in their fifties that don't have any concept of how to do that. And back at that time, it was very different to run your own household. You know, like you couldn't pay your electric bill online. You had Mm -hmm. to like write a check and put an address and get a stamp, or you had to go stand in line somewhere and physically like do these things. And I remember thinking, oh, that'll never be me. Amen, sister. Like I will make sure that I know how to do all of those things, whether I need to or not, you know, like whether I have a spouse or a partner or not, Mm -hmm. I will never be that woman. Mm -hmm. And something in me switched, you know, like when I saw people struggle um, with those things that I also had this really clear idea that I'll never get a divorce. Mm-hmm. Like that's not going to happen to me. And that the easiest way to never get a divorce is to never get married. Right. You know, I like, just will never fall in love and I'll be alone for the rest well, of my life. And it's I'm fine. totally down to fall in love, you know, and did, and consequently yeah. even ended up getting married. But after a long time that yes. we had um, been together because it wasn't the relationship that I was afraid of. And it wasn't that I didn't want somebody in my life. I just did not want to get divorced, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that was, and it created this really interesting ultra independence narrative in my head that then I began to preach to other people where when I, as I got older and I worked with younger women, you know, in my orbit and they would, you know, display tendencies where they were letting the men in their lives take care of things that they could take care of themselves. Girl, I would get on my soapbox and be like, oh no, ma'am. Like (laughs) you learn to do this by yourself. You don't rely on somebody because you don't know if they're always going to be there. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to leave you. Something might happen to them. You know, like you might have to separate for some period of time. Any number of things can happen. Like you need to know how to take care of yourself. Yeah. I definitely got this narrative from my mom. Now my parents aren't divorced, but My mom definitely set me up to where, well, first of all, let's start with the fact that after high school, I went to college. Um, So I moved out of the house and, you know, lived with roommates for a couple years. Um, And I only went to college for two years before I went to beauty school. 
you know, I, that's when I met Aaron, you know, and we fell fast and hard. And two weeks later, I'm like moving in with this boyfriend, right? You hauling, yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> you hauling it. Um, and I, I just remember, you know, my mom always saying like, you know, don't you want to live by yourself for a while? And I was like, mom, I did. I was in college. Right. And my mom's like, no, because like I've been paying your bills and, <laughs> you know, like same. now you have this boyfriend and in my 20 year old brain, I was like, no, mom, this is the independent thing to do. I'm a grown up. You can't tell me, you know, I'm gonna do what I want, right. I'm going to do whatever I want. So, you know, and I can't say that I regret those decisions at all, but now that I'm in my thirties, I mean, me and a multitude of my peers and girlfriends are like, Oh my God, if we could just speak to our younger selves, yes, <laughs> I would have totally lived by myself. And that there's a lot of growth that comes with that, with paying your own bills yes. and, um, you know, making your own appointments and buying your own car that there's a sense of pride that comes along with mm -hmm. that. And Yes, admittedly, it did get me to a place where I was like, I don't need a man. <laughs> yeah. But that that's also very hindering because I tend to keep people at arm's length distance because I'm like, I'll need your ass. Yeah. You know, myself. I, right. Yeah. I mean, why would I like invest any time when I have all I need within me? Right. Which I think is a really, honestly, a, a beautiful way of thinking about it that all I have with is in myself, but well, and I love this idea of like, I want to be, and this is not just for romantic relationships. This goes for all relationships. Mm -hmm. Okay. I want to be with you because I want to, not because I need to. Yes. Like I spend time with you because I love spending time with you and because we have a great time and because it, all of these things, you know, but I don't need to have you in right. my life. And that that is, a distinction that I've always been uh, very grounded in is, and it's also the way that I feel about moving in with people that you are in romantic relationships with. You were talking about living alone. I lived by myself for six months. Wish I would have done it longer, but mm -hmm. I'm glad I did it at all. Um, you learn lots of things about yourself when you're living alone. The one thing I learned about myself is that I am a slob. Like <laughs> that I would, when I had roommates, I'd be like, who left a mess in this kitchen? Or God, you guys ever like clean a toilet or what? And then when I lived by myself, I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm the one that's that the slob, you know? Like, been me. Because when you have nobody else to blame and you're living alone, like everything in your house or, you know, like how often did I vacuum? You know, like if one of my roommates yeah. did it, then it totally got me off the hook. But when it was just my place, you know, like I maybe pulled my vacuum out twice in mm -hmm. the six months I lived there. You know, like mm -hmm. you just there's things that you have nobody else to point the finger at. And the accountability of self becomes really profound. And that I remember so much about living alone that I was glad I did that because it gave me um, a fresh take on who living with me was like, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but I also think that the other part of that is, you know. Aubrey and I also had like a separation in our relationship where we went from living together to living alone. Mm -hmm. And we did that for eight or nine months. I think, um, he had never lived alone. So, you know, I had done that once before, but he had never done it. And so it gave us an opportunity to like have our own space and consequently come back together, which is something I had never done with anybody before, but that 
it was so important to our relationship moving forward that we both had that chance to just do our own thing for a minute. And, um, but still that ultra independent streak in me keeps me, um, isolated, you know, like in a lot of respects. And I notice that so much about myself now that I am in a committed relationship and we, you know, share space and I have, um, had a job where I traveled a lot, you know, like I haven't traveled much uh, at all this year, but in respect to my job, normally, like I'm on the road a lot. And I realized why I love traveling in my work is because I like to be alone. Yeah. I love getting off an airplane in a random city and nobody's expecting me and I can go to my hotel, you know, like just having that isolated space. God, when we were traveling for work, girl, so good. I mean, I've come to you and Billy multiple times. I've been like, where do I need to go? Mm-hmm. Is Send there, me somewhere. <laughs> is there a class somewhere, show anywhere? You yeah. need me to go anywhere? I'd be more than happy. Y'all are like, man, you're really wanting... I'm like, yep, really need to get out of here. Get me out yeah. of town. Like, <laughs> um, so I think that there's good spaces in this ultra-independence place to live. Um, but then, just like anything else, like you can take it too far. Yes. Um, that... In my experience, I feel like my ultra independence has pushed people away, um, both romantic relationships and friendships, um, because it's kind of made me into an asshole, like, I'll be honest. And, you know, that it's a control thing. And I think that um, it took me a long time to see that. Others have probably seen it before I did, that I'm a huge control freak. And, um, I just, it's something that I have a really hard time parting with. So let's just talk about this control freak thing. Cause we both have a grasp on, yes. on this. Um, besides just the mechanical things, like we've been talking about expenses and, you know, like getting things done and checking stuff off the to-do list. Um, we have had a real lack of control this year. <laughs> Amen. And that is for all Mm -hmm. control freaks. Like we're all getting like a harsh lesson and things that we cannot control. Um, and getting better at rolling with it. Yes. And (laughs) thanks 2020. Also that we never really were in control. Were we, you know, like 2020 made it acutely obvious that we weren't in control, but that all stems from this idea that we ever thought we were in control in the first place. Yeah. It's kind of comical now. It's, really entertaining if you think about it like that and annoying and frustrating like all at the same time but the um it's also kind of freeing it really like there's this space of relief almost that you're not in control and you can't do anything specific about it besides decide how you'll react to it Mm -hmm. um so there have been times where my reactions have been tearful or angry or frustrated or throw my hands up and fine, you know, like, but then there's also times where, you know, you can try and look at, I always have this narrative, like the universe is conspiring in my favor. It's not happening to me. It's happening for me. Yes. It's the only thing I know to try and do when I feel in that, you know, like push pull thing, but it is the hardest thing to do. Like, as I'm telling myself that I'm also equally being like, shut up. That is totally not real. (laughs) Like that's not going to make this any better, Laurie. Like what can you do to control it? And it's Mm -hmm. a like angel devil thing on your shoulder that pulls both ways. I feel that 
so hard. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that um, for 2020 being what it has been, the this idea that we can just let go a little bit um, has been a big growth experience, I think, for the both of us. Yeah. Um, but it it also has shown me that even in isolation, which when that all started sounded like heaven to me, um, was the worst, you know, and that I was like, Oh, I, I actually like people a lot more than I laid on and I miss talking to people and I miss being around people. And so I realized that I'm a much more social creature than I lead on, you know, cause I have, you know, we've talked about this multiple times like that cold black heart, you know, kind of facade that I'm getting around to the idea is just a, you know, so tell me this, I mean, it is a little front, but you also are not nearly as like touchy feely as I am. Yeah. Is it bothering you at all that you can't hug people? Honestly? Yes. Okay. Because let me tell you, tell me. So do you remember at the end of last year? Oh no. It was right after my birthday. Nikki came and took pictures of me in the salon because Uh I had this whole social media marketing plan. Right. (sighs) Because it was going to be our best year ever. Yes. Um, (laughs) So my friend Nikki came and took pictures of me um, and action shots too of like the whole experience of what it is like to have an experience with Jessica behind the chair. And then, um, there was this mishap. She, um, thought she lost the photos and then she didn't lose the photos. Yes. So the photos came a lot later than, you know, we thought because of this memory card situation. Anyway, by the time we got the photos, I think things were already locking. We were shut down. Yeah. I think that we were already shut down. Um, and so I didn't do anything with the photos, but then I, was going back because I, you know, we're talking about planning our social media marketing for like 2021. And I was going back through those photos being like, okay, so which of these can I use? And I got really sad because they're all pictures of me giving hand massages. Yeah. There's even pictures of me hugging clients. Oh my gosh. Um, remember when we did that? Remember when we were able to hug clients after a service? I actually don't. And I was like, I can't post this stuff. Nope not in a COVID. You're also not masked in any of those pictures. No, no. Um, so God, and that feels like yesterday, but also like a hundred years ago, Mm -hmm. but I, I just, I got really sad again, you know, grieving that part of our life and our career where I could hug these people. Yeah. Um, I was wondering about that only because like hugs, pre COVID for you were really like awkward. Like you would, yeah. you would hug your clients, you know, you would obviously like hug somebody when it called for it, right. you know, but I'm touchy feely and I will hug people all day, every day, come sit on my lap, like whatever, it's fine. <laughs> um, and I do desperately miss that. Um, I miss the physical connection with people. Like it is really, really difficult. I've been starting to daydream about like, maybe we're at halfway point. Mm-hmm. And that a year from now, maybe I'll be able to hug randoms again. Maybe 2022, we can just go around hugging random people. (laughs) 
I'll go around with a little sign. Free uh, hugs. I'm getting a free hugs t-shirt. Like, it's <laughs> happening as soon as we're safe. I'm I in. love that. Yeah. Okay, good. So I'm glad that uh, if anything, it's budging you in a direction where uh, you are starting to miss hugs a little bit. That's... A little bit. I'm still, I mean, y'all don't hug me like when you see me. <laughs> don't do that, please. Whether it's COVID-19 or not. No. But you need a pool noodle to keep people at least <laughs> yes. six feet away from you at all times. <laughs> Absolutely. So there's also this part of ultra independence. And I know that this for me is a total ego situation where to admit that I'm not capable of holding on to everything that comes at me and being able to pull it off and balance it and do it like it's just a, not an option. You know, like that ultra independent voice in my head is like, oh no, you can do it all. Oh, you don't need to ask for help. Like Mm -hmm. you can do this if you would just put your head down, try hard enough, apply yourself more. You need to sleep less a day, you know, like whatever it is and how truly toxic that has been for me Mm -hmm. to have that uh, independent streak where it, it, and it's sometimes for the silliest things, you know, like for things that... I should really be able to ask for help or say, okay, I can't do this alone, you know, and what that, what that's about. Well, you and I were talking about this the other day that I think we've been fed this bullshit of, well, we all have the same 24 hours in a day, which surface level. Yes. We all have the same 24 hours in a day, but we're not all dealing with the same 24 hours. And it just, you know, 24 hours with a personal chef and a cleaning lady is different than 24 hours where you do all those things. Or 24 hours is different from being a single parent to, you know, having a spouse, you know, with your kids or 24 hours is different if you have to commute to work versus working from home or whatever that situation is. We're not all dealing with the same 24 hours. So when I was thinking that, well, we're all dealing with the same 24 hours, Jessica, I could just do it all myself. That when I started, you know, in little bits, accepting help from people that have time to spare, Mm -hmm. you know, that I was like, oh, I'm a lot happier. And this makes my life a lot easier. And it didn't take away from the end result of whatever that situation or that project or that whatever that end result was, it didn't take away from the awesomeness of it. Yeah. It also isn't a reflection on your ability to be who you are. And I mean, you know, like, I think it, for me, it was so much like I was felt shame for not being able to do it Mm -hmm. alone, Mm -hmm. but that really it's some immense strength to be able to stand back and be like, Nope, I need help with, well, I need help with this, you know, like, and to know who to go to and to go to those people and to receive that help is something that people like me with extreme ultra independence, you know, like that we struggle with that and that that is constantly, like I said, one of those voices in my head that repetitively says those things where I have to be like, no, 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 that's not the way that we need to do things now. It's okay. Well, even looking back to when we decided to start this podcast and guys, if you are interested in following a passion project of yours, like doing a podcast. When Laurie and I started like brainchilding this, our vision was buy the equipment ourselves, right? Buy the software ourselves, record ourselves, you know, edit ourselves, 
doing everything ourselves. And then thankfully we got this hookup with, you know, through my friend Missy and we were like, Oh, it's totally worth it to have the help from someone who knows what they're doing yes, and, and be able to focus on the show. Right. Yeah. And so then that frees us up to focus on the things that we need and want to focus on when we can delegate the technical stuff that we don't quite understand to Paul, right. you know? And so that in its self has been a huge lesson for me in just this project alone. Yeah. Well, cause the, you, anytime that there's like a new pursuit that you're getting into, I tend to underestimate the amount of work that things are mm-hmm. just cause I, because I have the ultra independence, I'm like, whatever, however difficult or hard or time consuming it is, I can figure that out, you know, mm-hmm. like, and I can in the event that I wanted to commit that much time and effort into learning how to do it, you know, like, um, and that, that is you, that the quality of the kind of podcast we could put out, I think is so much better mm-hmm. because we can leave the technical stuff to the people who do the technical stuff and we can focus on the content because that's our role, you know, in, in the whole piece. And that doing everything all yourself means that you don't get many things completed. Right. We'd still be working on launching this podcast <laughs> if we were trying to do it ourselves. <laughs> like be. we would not be this far in. I don't yes. Think. And it would probably be terribly produced and I don't want to say half-assed because that's not our style, but it would be rushed or, um, well, and like I said, I just think the quality of what we'd be able to put together would be lacking because we'd be busy messing with, and well, let's not even talk about the stress of just the daily, you know, like, so I guess that's been a big epiphany for me, a, after our experience launching the podcast, but also just in general that if there are things that I can delegate out to other people that it only means that the things that I get to invest myself in are better, stronger, more, you know, like more what I envision them to be because I'm not spread so thin multitasking. I mean, it just hit me like, a t- you know, like you always hear this thing about like how multitasking is so not great, you know, and that you can do 10 things, but you can only do them at 10%. Right. You know, and that I, have this real problem with taking on lots of new things all at the same time. Cause I'm like, Oh, I want to see if I can, you know, like do that. But then you only can commit so much to each thing. You don't really know what you're actually great at. And so I wonder how many people who have this ultra independence thing also have this multitasking challenge right. that I have. And so are you ever really finding out what your, not that you can only have one true great passion or talent. No, but that the stress of multitasking and only being able to give a little bit here and there, how great would it be if you could just focus on that one thing? Yeah. I mean, my favorite Ron Swanson quote ever from Parks and Rec is don't half-ass two things, whole ass one whole thing. Whole ass one thing, you know, like it's, um, that's a huge lesson, yeah. you know, and, um, it's okay to let go of things that don't serve you. And, you know, you can always go back. Right? right. Of course you can. Like it's, it's also like when you commit to doing, I mean, you're saying one thing I'm like, okay, so can I commit to three, please? Because one's not, one's just one. Like anyway, <laughs> um, when you can commit to just doing a handful of things mm-hmm. instead of 28 things. Okay. 
that on board. you, um, cause I feel like I got to get like into something to get really comfortable with it and connect to it and be like, yeah, this is my path and this is where I'm going. Like, I'm pretty quick to try things and be like, okay, am I good at it? And that's why I like it. Or am I bad at it? And that's why I don't like it. Like sometimes if I'm not good at something, it might be easy to just be like, oh, I'm no good at that and put it down when really I might not be good at it. Cause I just haven't done it much, you know, or tried it much. And so I don't know. I think, uh, the ultra independent thing, I'm, I also tend to be one of those people that like, what if I don't know I'm good at something? Cause I didn't try it out, you know, like maybe I am the world's best singer, the songbird of my generation. You just know it. Cause I've never tried, you know, yeah, like knows. to, so yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm still working on that one. It's hard. <laughs> I'm going to overcome the multitasking thing. Maybe we need a multitasking episode. Maybe. We'll see. Not a bad idea. So in uh, today, so fast forward to now, what is in your ultra independence journey? What's something that you think you're struggling with besides toners? <laughs> besides toning? Besides letting other people do toners for you? Oh, what I'm struggling with as an ultra independent lady? Mm -hmm. Um... The idea of ever being dependent on anyone at all. Mm. So dependent's a big word. Yeah. Well, because, you know, I kind of started saying, you know, my mom got this idea into my head, like, oh, you should really live by yourself before, like, you get into a serious relationship and you, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, but that wasn't just because she wanted me to have that experience. You know, like, when I bought my house, my mom was like you know, you should really, well, and both my parents, I put this all in my mom, let's be clear. It was both of my parents encouraged me to buy a house with a mortgage payment that if my partner, if something happened that, you know, he could get into a car accident, right. Could lose a job, right. Could do Yeah. Or, like anything. I could break my arm yeah. or I could break my leg. Can't do hair behind the chair with a broken arm, right. you know? Um, so that if anything were to happen, that one income could cover your life. It's wise. Right. Or, you know, someone could get sick. They could have cancer. They could, you know, like a million things could happen. Right. So I think that where it got toxic for me was I internalized that in a way that pushed me to be the workhorse that I have been for so many years. Mm -hmm. Um, that work is all that mattered that my relationships can go on the back burner and take the back seat because I have to get to this next level, this next step. I have to be the best and I have to do this and I have to do that because I have to pay for it all myself. Right. No one can do that for me whether I have a partner or not, you know, and that <laughs> that's really pushed a lot of people away. And so the idea of depending on someone else is really terrifying, quite honestly. Well, and so much of that is, um, in what you're speaking about anyway, sounds like it's primarily like financial dependence or sharing household type, mm -hmm. you know, space independence. I think that if I'm looking at like mine, mine is so much more on a like emotional 
level, you know, like the idea of becoming emotionally dependent on people or vulnerable enough around people. And this again is not like even romantically, you know, inclined. This is definitely with like friends, relationship, human relationships. Human relationships. Yeah. That I feel like I get so attached to this idea of being disappointed (laughs) in the way, like, cause we project, you know, like I project the way that I assume people believe, think, feel, you know, and am getting really grounded in this idea that you have to allow people their space to feel what they want to feel, think what they want to think, be who they want to be. And sometimes they will share that with you, you know, and tell Mm -hmm. you that. Um, But sometimes that's really hard for me to hear and digest and that rather than be upset or disappointed that sometimes it's just easier for me to have that arm's length, you know, distance, um, and not be emotionally available Mm -hmm. to people. Um, which is funny because I found myself and I don't think that this is, I don't know, maybe this is unusual, but like I have new friendships and relationships that are like popping up in my world recently. And I have been asking myself that question a lot. Like, um, is this a relationship that I want to invest and be available to have a friendship, you know, and that those things are, um, I don't know, my time feels really very valuable. Well, cause let's be honest and I'm going to sound like an asshole Let here. it out girl, but having friends can be exhausting. Yes. This is what I mean. Yes. Because, <laughs> you know, like, no, I don't want to go have coffee with you. I don't want to go, I don't know, to the movies. I just, I'd rather be sleeping (laughs) or I'd rather, you know, be doing something else. And God, I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. And if you're my friend, don't take that the wrong way y'all it's you can't just, have coffee with people anymore yeah, right like <laughs> half the shit that i'm talking about you can't closed, do in a covid-19 yeah, right. world anyway but what i'm saying is that i only have so much emotional capacity to give to everybody yeah. that you know every time you see a friend who you haven't seen in a long time you're always like oh, we should do this more often yeah. and i truly mean that i'm not faking it by any means. I truly mean that. But before you know it, it's six months down the road and you're like, shit. Seen her. Yeah. You know, and because life happens, things get in the way or maybe things don't get in the way and you just need to chill Yeah, and be alone. And cause you know, we've talked about this. I cherish my alone time, maybe Mm -hmm. a little too much, but it's okay. It's okay. I am learning to embrace that and to tell people that I am just a better person. If you give me my space, yes, I am not, you're not going to get the full, great, wonderful version of myself. (laughs) If like you, you know, suck me dry. Like I just, I can't. I only have so much emotional capital to give out. It's the truth. <laughs> so I'm sorry, but it's just the way it is. Well, and I guess what I'm trying to like wrestle with is, is my inability to be emotional? Because there were times, there are probably more times in my life than not where I have been like completely open for emotional, you know, like connections and wide open and vibrating in that direction. And that that has backfired on me several times, you know, um, but 
is my shutting down in isolation keeping me from having relationships with people that could potentially be really wonderful and amazing, you know, like, am I limiting myself because I'm afraid because of some of these things that haven't worked out in my past that has made me very independent where I'm like, why do I need another awesome person in my life? Like I've got so many awesome, amazing people. best friends. Yes. I have a great spouse. I have an awesome job. I have the best coworkers. Like what else could I possibly need? You know? And that, um, it's part of evolving, you know, outside that. and that a lot of the friendships and relationships that I do have that are so wonderful are also going through their own life changes, experiences, relationships change. Uh, people have priority shifts, you know, like that, whoever was prevalent and face front in my life five years ago may not be the same bestie that I've got, you know, like going on today and may not be the same person five years from today, you know, like that right. all of those things evolve and that you have to be available for people to find their way into your life, you know? And so, yeah, it's, uh, I'm definitely noticing my inclinations towards this extreme independence thing and trying my best to be more available for support, help, and or other people that... Yeah, it's it's this balance of having that open heart, right? Yeah. And putting out that energy and that vibration and that frequency to be available to what the universe wants to create for you, yeah. but also having your boundaries. And God, that is a terribly awful balance to figure out, but it's kind of a dance that you have to be willing to do. And is we're also, and it's funny that we haven't talked about this, uh, prepping for this episode, it just kind of hit me that we are, um, being really vulnerable on the podcast <laughs> and sharing like, things. I hate feelings and vulnerability. Know, Let's like, talk about it. Um, <laughs> so we're doing that, which in turn is making people that are maybe just acquaintances of mine. Mm-hmm feel really connected to us on levels that maybe they hadn't before because we oh are gosh, talking yes. about things at that level, which I love. And is a big reason why we started doing it. It's been such a growing experience having these people that yeah. I don't really know that <laughs> right. well be like, Oh my gosh, I heard you spill your guts and let's talk about it. And I'm like, Oh gosh, yes, like, let's talk about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> which but it is so cool. It's cool, it but it's cool. also really scary scary like yeah. and kind of shoots in this face of the ultra independence because what we're doing kind of fights against that mm-hmm. creating a community of people who feel safe sharing all of these things together means that we are opening up and being more evo- emotionally available um at least on a platform like this or definitely like you know social media promotion of this kind of project requires that you are social on the media yeah which I'm also getting better at, you know, like that, uh, that I'm forced to be uncomfortable expressing all of that more and being more vulnerable in a lot of respects and letting go of some of this extreme independence, because what I'm committed to is fostering that community mm-hmm. and communities are not built on people that are like, nope, you stay back in a way, you know, yes. like communities are built by people who like open the heart and open the arms and are bringing us all in to do it together. So, um, I guess if what you resist persists, then this is what I got. Come in full force. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. Uh, I feel good about uh, ultra independence as a trauma response. Like I, uh, you know, I feel good about it too, especially going forward as a mom. Mm -hmm. You know, I look at that advice that my parents gave me 
of, you know, you may want to live by yourself, pay your own bills. And I love all that advice. And I think that it's advice that I will continue, you know, on to Adelaide. It's excellent advice. You know, I just want to make sure that she also has an open heart in the process and is willing to, um, have that as an adult going forward. I wish I would have learned that a long time ago. I mean, this is kind of what the whole gig is about, you know, is, uh, becoming aware. I also wonder, like, you know, we go into that question with people sometimes where we're like, what advice would you give your 20 year old self or whatever? My 20 year old self would never listen to me right Hell now. No. Like, she'd have been like, bitch, who do you think you are? Like, don't try and tell me what to do. Like, um, so I also am learning to appreciate this idea that, you know, like if you knew then what you know now, um, what I know is that I would not have heard it and that some things you just have to learn as you go. Well, and even if you did hear it, you may have not been ready for it. No, you couldn't compute it. It didn't, you know, it went right over your head. So you got to be ready to receive those things. That goes for a lot of things. (laughs) Everything. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, I'm glad that we got a chance to dive into this uh, topic. And anybody who connected with the ultra independence as a trauma response, like if you heard that and it hit you in a soft spot, then let us know what your thoughts are about this episode or share it with somebody who you think it could be helpful for. Uh, We appreciate you guys joining us today. Thank you, badasses. 